Happy New Year, church. I'm thankful for all those who have led us in welcome and prayer and worship today. And today, the first day of the new year, is an ideal day to engage a passage whose very structure is built on the shift from the old to the new, from a former way of life to a transformed way of life. So hear now the word of God from Paul's letter to the Colossian church. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, enslaved and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's so good, right? But before we dig into all this richness together, let's pray. Lord, you alone are the word, and you alone have the words of eternal life. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us as we are gathered here today, and speak through us as we are scattered in the world this week. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And we pray all this in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was still working in the marketplace, I had a colleague and a good friend named Jim. And Jim and I had some great discussions while we worked together about how to balance the demands of family and job and our shared desire not to destroy our souls while we were working for a big company. And from time to time, he would tell me about his dad, who had been an executive at a very large company and how he had navigated some of those same challenges. Early in his career, his dad struggled to be who he really wanted to be at work. The pressures of climbing the corporate ladder, of working more, of doing more, of competing with others for positions and promotions led him to make some cutthroat decisions and sacrifice some relationships. The higher he climbed, the more bruising it was to his soul. But after a number of years, something happened to him that changed who he was at work and how he was at work. Something happened that changed how he thought about himself and his role. Something happened that changed how he treated his coworkers and colleagues and customers. And that something was this. His dad became vested in the SERP the Senior Employee Retirement Program, 
And being vested with the SERP guaranteed that he would make his high annual salary every year for the rest of his life. Now that word vested is important. It comes from the Latin word vestire, which means to put on clothing. And from it, we get our old English word vestments or clothes. When Jim's dad became vested, he was clothed with, he was wrapped up with, he put on the resources of the SERP. And being vested released him to be compassionate rather than competitive. Being vested freed him to look out for others instead of compulsively looking out for himself. To be compassionate rather than competitive. To care more about people than profits. And to do things that were truly right rather than the things that were just right for him. Now it's easy for some of us to understand about being vested and how that would change our outlook at work. But if putting on the SERP could change your work life, just imagine how putting on Christ can change your whole life. If being vested with retirement security has the power to change our occupational outlook, then being vested with eternal security has the power to change our very identity. And that's what Paul is talking about in this passage from Colossians. Now across his many letters, Paul uses the metaphor of clothing yourself with or putting on Christ. In Galatians, for example, Paul describes Christian conversion this way. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. The image of putting on may be drawn from early church baptismal practices where new believers would take off their old clothes, symbolically discarding their former way of life, and wade into the baptismal waters. Then, after proclaiming their faith and being immersed, they would come up from the water and walk out of the other side of the baptismal pool and put on a new white robe to symbolize their new life in Christ. Now, this ancient metaphor can sound strange to our modern ears because in our vernacular, putting on can sometimes mean pretending to be something we're not or deceitfully posing as someone we're not. But Paul is not addressing pretenders in this passage. He's talking to the church. He's talking to God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. He's not exhorting us to be something we're not, but to become who we already are, to live into every facet of our new identity in Christ. And of course, Paul is talking about the theological concept of sanctification, whereby Christians grow into the reality of our salvation and put it into daily practice. Now, at the moment of our conversion, we are clothed in newness, but our external lives may initially look just the same. We live in the same old world and face the same old challenges. And in that way, we're very much like Jim's dad. Becoming vested in the SERP didn't immediately change his circumstances. He was still an employee, still had a boss, still lived in that same old corporate culture. But being vested changed everything about how he worked. He no longer felt compelled to conform to the dehumanizing corporate ways. 
And so it can be with us. When we're vested in Christ, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Vast spiritual resources to change how we live in the present and eternal security that gives us assurance for our future. Now think of it like this. When a person gets married, their identity is instantly changed. On the day I got married, when I walked into the church, I walked into the church as a single person. But when we said our I do's, my identity was immediately changed. I was different. I was now a married person. The two had become one flesh. But I didn't walk out of that church as a great husband. You can just ask Jamie. She'll tell you all about it. On second thought, spare yourself the gory details. Just take my word for it. I didn't walk out of the church as a great husband. I had to gradually develop into a good husband by faithfully living into my new married identity. And so it is with our relationship with Christ. When we put our faith in him, we were immediately and eternally changed. Colossians 1 tells us that Christ reconciled us to God through his death to present us as holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. But as we all know, at the moment of our conversion, we didn't suddenly become holy and blameless in all our thoughts and actions. This spiritual transformation had to be worked out. In Paul's words, it had to be put on in our daily experience. Much like spouses learn how to be good husbands and wives over time, we develop into true disciples over time by faithfully living into our new identity in Christ. Paul uses this clothing metaphor to give us guidance for this lifelong work of sanctification. Now the process of holiness is primarily the work of the Holy Spirit, but it is a work in which we must actively participate when we put on what Christ has done for us. It progressively changes what we love and what we do. It transforms our private life and our public deeds. It remakes us into the very image of Christ. So practically speaking, what will that look like? Well, first Paul reminds us that because we have stripped off the old self with its practices, we are to get rid of the old ways of anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language. Paul's talking here, of course, about repentance, the change of mind that comes from our changed nature that manifests itself in our changed behavior. Here, he's specifically telling us that before we can put on the ways of Christ, we have to take off the ways of the world. Now, as most of you know, that's not an easy thing to do. Now, I had an old sweatshirt from college that I loved. I used to wear it all the time around the house and in the neighborhood after we got married. But after a number of years, my wife had to break the news that the sweatshirt had to go. It was stained and torn and it smelled awful no matter how many times I washed it. And initially I was, shall we say, resistant. 
In fact, I retrieved the sweatshirt from the trash can several times after Jamie had thrown it away. I was resistant because I was so used to that sweatshirt that I didn't know how bad it really was. And that's the way our old habits and hang-ups can be. They've been around for so long that we don't even see them anymore. For some, anger and abusive speech are old friends that make us feel safe when we're afraid or upset. For others, gossip and slander have become just juicy conversation partners. Or you might have absorbed some malice or prejudice from family or friends or your old neighborhood that you don't even question anymore. But the Spirit brings us new awareness. And just like my wife did for me, it will help us recognize the things that got to go. The Spirit will point out those habits that need to be ditched and those hang-ups that we just need to give up. No matter how comfortable they might be, the garments of the old self carry a spiritual stink and we need to ruthlessly strip them off and throw them away. And in their place, we are to put on the new self, clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, the willingness to bear one another, bear with one another, and the practice of forgiving each other. And most importantly, we're to put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love coordinates all the qualities. Love ties the outfit together. Love makes it fit everyone just right. And these attributes, you should notice, are both personal and relational. Paul is very clear that there's an inextricable link between our essence and our ethics, our character, and our conduct. However, he's not simply giving us a list of virtues like you may have been able to find in ancient Roman or Greek literature. Not at all. These are the defining character traits of Jesus himself. For example, compassion is being tender to the suffering of others and doing something about it, just as Jesus taught in the parable of the Good Samaritan. When we wrap ourselves in the compassion that Jesus has shown to us, we can go and do likewise for others. In Paul's time, humility was considered a trait best suited for slaves. But Jesus embraced it, calling himself gentle and humble. And he came among us as one who serves. When we put on the serving towel of Jesus, the one he used to wipe the disciples' feet, it will grow both our desire and our ability to humbly serve others. Jesus is the one who begged the Father to forgive those who were unjustly crucifying him. And Christ has both the power and the willingness to forgive our many sins. And clothed with his forgiveness, we become increasingly willing and capable of forgiving others. But Paul doesn't stop there. Yes, he says that these virtues of Christ will renew our hearts and our relationships, but he also claims that they'll renovate our social realities. And that makes sense because 
Christ pushed against the social conventions of his day. He touched the unclean. He ate with tax collectors. He proclaimed the image of God in Gentiles. And in his great love, Christ even crossed the boundary of sin to rescue lost people like us. And so it follows that clothed with the character of Christ, we reject any way in which the world divides people and assigns superiority in being Jew or Greek, slave or free, black or white, rich or poor. Because our new identity is not wrapped up in race or nationality or economic status. It's wrapped up in Christ. This sanctification that Paul talks about, it's not an easy process. It's not a quick process, and it's not a passive process. We don't just sit around and wait for the Holy Spirit to make us new. Holiness demands the intentional engagement of our wills. God has gifted us a new outfit for our souls, and it's hanging in the spiritual closet. But we must make the decision to put it on. And we see a beautiful picture of this in the parable of the prodigal son. In that story, a son wandered away from his father, left his home, and aimlessly chased the notion that he could find his identity out in the ways of the world. But at some point, and to some degree this is true of all of us, he ran out of his own resources, and he ran out of his own hope, and he came to the end of his old self. So he resolved to go back home and beg for forgiveness, supposing that there might be a chance, a slim chance, that his father would take him back as a hired servant. But when he got home, to his surprise, the father had been scanning the horizon for him, hoping against hope that he would come home. And when the father saw the son from a distance, he did the most undignified thing. He ran to him. And he embraced him, and he kissed him, and he welcomed him home. The father ordered a great feast to celebrate the return of his long lost child. And he orchestrated a full change of clothing for him. He put a ring on his finger, probably a signet ring that signified that he was a member of the family. He put shoes on his feet, and then the father wrapped him up in a new robe. The scripture says the best robe, and put it on him, clothing him in restored sonship. I just imagine the son the next morning waking up from the festivities. He gets out of bed and looks around his old room as a new person. And there, on the back of his bedroom door, hang two robes, the old one, dirty and torn, stained with all his sin and bad choices, soiled with the grime of his old life. And right beside it hangs his new robe, clean and white, evidence of his father's forgiveness and love, the assurance of his inheritance. But the prodigal has a decision to make, just like we do. What robe will we put on today? What life will we embrace? It can be all too easy to just slip on that comfortable old sweatshirt and to thoughtlessly 
slip back into our old self. But prodigal people, that's not who we are anymore. So every morning of this new year, remember that you are vested with divine renewal and resources. Clothe yourself with newness. Put on Christ. Amen.